Hello and welcome to Free From The Real, episode 154, brought to you by PureMTGO.com, MTGOTraders.com and CapeFearGames.com. You can hear us each week on PureMTGO.com, MTGOTraders.com and MTGCast.com. I'll be one of your hosts this week, AJ. With me as ever is Sebastian. Hey everybody. And Kia. Hey guys, how's it going? As ever, this is the Free From The Real podcast, bringing you all the news that's fit to listen to regarding the online game and things from the offline game which uh, are of interest to us, such as the, um, by the time you hear this, the full spoiler for Dark Ascension. Uh, yeah, um, you know, since we're about a week out from the pre-release, they usually have the full set posted by then, so you'll be able to check out every card in the set, all 158 of them, and uh, I mean, we only have a about 80 of that to work with, but I like what we see. Well, it's difficult to judge a um, set without the full aggregate. Um, as you said, at the time of recording, we don't have uh, everything at our fingertips, but um, you should. Yeah, so, so we're going to judge, but we're going to judge anyway, so let's, let's get into it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, one um, fairly recent spoiler over the weekend was the Revelation of which of the um, uh, fetch lands was going to show up in this set, and the prize goes to Evolving Wilds. Yeah, it's a little sad, but uh, you know, make do with what you got. Isn't that is that in um, Magic Twenty Twelve right now? That's a good. Yeah. Or not? I I think. Uh, yeah, I want to say yes, but I say it with a question mark, like Sebastian. I do believe Evolving Worlds is currently in the core set, um, as opposed to Terramorphic Expanse, it's um, Findhorn Elf, if you will. Yeah. yeah, it's a little sad. It takes a lot for me to be disappointed in a land in a new set. Well, I guess not a whole lot, but uh, that's one that kind of makes me a little sad. It's good to have, and obviously it'll be nice for Limited, where uh, crazy shenanigans happen, especially in this block from the looks of it with flashback spells. It'll be a nice fixer. My thought is, I'm not exactly... Oh, it's actually not in 2012. No. Oh, oh okay. There's none of those lands that are in 2012, apparently. Oh, in which case, um, welcome back to the format Evolving Wilds. We're suddenly really excited by you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah especially you probably saw about... this coming, actually. Yeah, since we <laughs> don't have our out. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's uh, see. Really Any cool. other interesting cards, AJ? Well, I quite like the look of Grim Backwards, which is the um, uh, green-black equivalent to the um, white-black. I do wonder if they're going to have a little cycle of um, uh, these, uh, everything except for everything uh, along with black, or if it's going to be um, all enemy-coloured. Because you've got the Vault of the Archangel and the Grim Backwards, mm-hmm. which I suppose do go with the um, dual lands from the original set. Yeah, that's that's true, and it, you know, match it completes the cycle of uh, for all the color combinations of the cards released um, in the first set, as far as uh, Nefalia Drownyard and Sentia Bloodhall go. Yeah, but that was pretty interesting. Yeah, four mana, two a black and a green, and tap it and sacrifice creature to draw a card. Seems pretty good in a format full of tokens and undying. Yep, and very much a. Um, it's also both a uh, morbid enabler. And a, um, a very potent source of uh, card advantage. Any thoughts, gentlemen? Yeah, I mean, 
I, I like the card, obviously. Um, I love the fact that I also like uh, Vault of the Arch- Archangel. Seems very interesting. Creatures you control gain Death Touch and Life Link until end of turn. That seems very powerful. Yep. I've um, often been a fan, a fan of the um, ability of, of Basilisk Collar. Yep. Um, and this is uh, Basilisk Collar on stick, essentially. Yeah, I mean, it's it might. I definitely see like Vault of the Archangel seeing play because it's not simply, uh, it's not simply a, a target creature. It's a creature to control, which is everything, and it has a ton of synergy with black and white two colors that seem to really have a lot of tokens in this set. So it's gonna be interesting to see if this spawns a new black white uh, token deck sim- similar to Ghost Daddy. Uh, for those those of you who remember back that far, mm-hmm. it does essentially read um, win combat. Yes, it's pretty hard to lose combat if you uh, have every, everything has life link and death time. Hello. Now, there's one other card which um, intrigued me in that it could either be uh, it's an equipment for seven, which um, has equipped creature gets plus one plus zero, equipped cost one. If it didn't cost seven, then yeah, it'd be a um, fairly regular equipment. But when a quick creature deals Combat damage to a player, transform Elbrus the Blinding binding Blade. And you get Withengar and Bound, a legendary demon with flying, trample, intimidate, and whenever a player loses the game, put 13 plus 1 plus 1 counters on Withengar Unbound. It's a real shame you can't have legendary equipment as um, commanders in Commander, isn't it? See, as soon, and as soon as I read this card, my first two thoughts were, man, this would be a cool commander, there's a twist on it, and two, AJ probably loves this card. So I'm glad you confirmed my thoughts. Well, I'm not too happy with the cost, but... Um... It'd be very interesting to me if there is some way for us to uh, change the rules um, of Commander to like accommodate cards like this. It just feels like it's built to be a Commander, you know, like in some kind of like artifact token deck. Well, the trouble is, if you change the rules in that regard, then you could well have, uh, say, Commander Skyship Weatherlight, or... Um... I I, I'm fine with that. I <laughs> Or Commander Predator, everything else dies. <laughs> yeah, or well, even, obviously, cards can certain cards can be banned as commanders, yeah. as we already know. So, or even Commander Legacy Weapon. That'd be pretty sweet, honestly. Like, and granted, it's not fair for me to say because I don't really play the format. I think it'd be cool to have. You can choose any legend or planeswalker as your commander because those kind of seem like commanders to me in my to my mind. So, legendary, yeah, Caracas, the commander. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take I'll take my uh, Soren, the commander. That's not a legend. It's a, said, like, it's a planeswalker. Well, yeah, true. And Caracas would be a really devastatingly powerful commander. Yes. <laughs> no. I don't see what That's you guys are talking about. He seems yeah. reasonably fine to me. <laughs> <laughs> um. yeah, no. yeah, but Elbrus the Blade, like you said, the cost is a bit prohibitive. If only there were some way that you could cheaply and efficiently search for equipment from your library and then perhaps cheaply and efficiently put it into play. I'm not sure they would print a card like that. That'd be kind of dumb. Yeah, uh, well, both tutoring and putting it into play. That'd be ridiculous. Especially in white. You you should never print it in white. You should probably print it in blue. Yeah. (laughs) Wizards would never do that. And if they did, they'd never be so stupid as to make it a creature to put the equipment on. Yeah, that'd that'd be silly. 
if they like did that and the following set introduced something called living weapons like that's probably just just broken in and of itself like you have free you can tutor up a weapon or a creature sounds great to me well this thing's a weapon and a creature so best of both worlds i suppose yeah yeah okay. uh, you know, that, that this is a dream world we'll never see occur yeah, yeah, magical Christmas land. You'll never see a tutor that good in magic. <sighs> Sigh. Quite. <laughs> uh, some other fun cards that we've had released. One that I love is uh, previewed earlier this week, and that's uh, I'm going to go with Geralt. Yeah, Geralt, yeah. Yeah, Geralt, Geralt's Messenger, um, who is black, black, black for a 3-2 that enters the battlefield tapped. When it comes into play, an opponent loses two life, and oh yeah, has Undying. So, kind of like the opposite uh, version of a Kitchen Finks. So, instead of coming into play and coming back and building you back up, he comes into play and comes back and tears your opponent down. Yep. That was exactly what I was thinking. I was like, oh, this seems very good. <laughs> so likely. Yeah. Uh. yeah. Unfortunately, it's, yeah, the, the triple black mana cost is a little prohibitive. Um,. But still, seems pretty good. Yep. Mm-hmm. And will give me the opportunity to play him alongside my favorite creature uh, that I haven't gotten the chance to use at all, and that's Phyrexian Obliterator. Yeah, you could. You can't really argue with spend three black mana, cause uh, four life loss in two chunks, and have a three-two stroke, four-three on the board on top of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely, definitely not a whole lot wrong with this card. You know, triple black and keeps it enters the battlefield tapped or sad, but quite frankly necessary because otherwise the card would be silly. Yeah, I'm not quite sure if like the battlefield tapped is necessary, uh, but triple black has been seen before. Uh, Gatekeeper, for example, Vala uh, Vala card, the one that makes you upon a sacrifice a creature. You saw a lot of play, and that was effectively triple black with his kicker. Yeah. Yeah. But then again, that was part of the uh, Vampires deck, which was uh, rather successful. Uh, mono black, sometimes flashing red for the great burn we had. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so I mean, long. it's yeah, it's possible. Like if it, you could do some kind of black white deck, I know, uh, based on the isolated chapel being your available land to make sure you can still hit black 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 reliably. I'm sure there's some kind of aggro deck that could be rooted in that. But we'll see. Maybe alongside um, Gravecrawler, the uh, one mana two one, which you can keep replaying from your graveyard, provided you've got a zombie in play. Yeah, and you know who happens to be a zombie? Geralt's messenger. messenger. <laughs> Convenient little combination there. Yes. Mm-hmm. Now another nice little zombie I've seen. Well, little is perhaps pushing it a bit. Is what happened to Micaeus the Unhallowed? Yeah, that guy's pretty beefy. Interesting comparison with his uh, original uh, X and a white um, incarnation from the first set. They do tend to do this a fair amount. I mean, I recall uh, Balthazar, the um, uh, Odyssey block um, dwarf who showed up in uh, Torment and then was uh, rather somewhat undead in the... uh, um, Following in, uh, in judgment, yeah. Yeah, that's right. And also we saw that with, uh, was it Jessica? Yeah. Who was printed in judgment and then later came back. Wasn't she like the re- isn't phage? In legions, yes. Yeah, her, her undead version. Yep. 
So here we have uh, yet another undead version of a, um, a legend from another colour. Uh, Mikersian Hallowed, who has three black, black, black for a converted mana cost of six. Legendary creature, zombie cleric, intimidate. And whenever a creature deals, whenever a human, whenever a human. deals damage to you, destroy it. Other non-human creatures you control get plus one, plus one, and have undying. Which is, um, that's just, that's just nasty. Yeah, it seems pretty good. On the plus side, like, he is a, he's a creature, so that makes he himself, uh, fragile. So we don't have to worry about too much about people ex- over-exploiting undying and finding some way to go bananas with it. And he costs a lot. Like, we've seen, when they print the card that retroactively gives the block mechanic to pretty much everything in the set, the ones that are pretty expensive typically don't really get much done. Yeah. Well, that said, there has been a good record of um, triple black and six mana five five legends in the past. And you've got this guy, you've got uh, Cabal Patriarch, you've got Visar the Dreadful. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I, he can. I can definitely see him doing some things. I just don't see some kind of degenerate uh, issue with giving everything on dying coming up. I think he'll just he'll just come out and be a pain in your butt, and you'll have to deal with him, and yeah. or else deal with everything else twice, which yes. seems silly. Whilst at the same time having everything of yours, which um, has the unfortunate creature type of human, getting no mercied. Yeah. What's, what would be really interesting to see, by the way, is if you played two of Micaiah's Dunhalo, I believe that they simultaneously give each other Undying before the legend rule kills them. So they come back, I think, once. They do indeed come back. But then they would back. both come back and kill each other again. No, I, I realize. It's just one of those things where it's like, that's an interesting... Uh, Interesting thing to have happen. Actually, it's a fair point. If you've got something like um, uh, either Pandemonium or the um, uh, what's the Innistern variant they printed recently in the core set? Um, hmm, yeah, I don't really keep up with the names of cards like that, but I'll trust you that there's something similar to that in there. Yeah. But yeah, that'd be an instant uh, yes. 22 damage of creatures or 22 power of creatures coming into play. Yes. You'd get the five initial Micaeus, you get the five and subsequent Micaeus, and both Micaei. Yeah, it would be Micaei, I suppose. Micaeus. Yeah, Micaei works better. <laughs> both Micaei come back and deal with either 12, so. Yeah, that would be interesting, to say the least. It's very cute. Yeah. Yes. So, what do you reckon about the latest uh, variant of uh, Demonic Tutor? Oh, the uh, increasing ambition? Yeah. That's interesting, man. I would like that card to be good. I just don't know. You know, five and eight is pretty steep. So for those of you who don't know, it's a five-mana sorcery, uh, and you search your library for a card and put it into your hand. If it was cast from your graveyard, you instead search your library for two cards and put them in your hand, and that's seven and a black. Yep. I mean, if there's a revival of some kind of old-school control deck where you just shoot for the long game, that card just seems batty. But Innistrad as a whole seems pretty aggressive uh, with a lot of the tokens and cheap creatures, and there's a lot of efficiency built into it, so I don't know how powerful a deck like that can be. Well, I look at this, and I can't help but think of the buyback um, uh, Diablo Tutor from um, uh, Time Spiral. Which had teachings? No, the um, no, the the five mana one like you discarded two cards to buy back or something like that's that. That's the one, yeah. 
Yeah, God. I don't remember the name of it. I remember playing it in Battle of Wits, but I don't remember what it's called. Yeah. And in this case, um, I get the same vibe from this. It's um, a card which, if it were cheaper, would be really easy to play, but because of its price, it's going to be fairly limited in its appeal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think just the nature of the environment. Like, if it were a different block that was designed a different way, had a different philosophy, a different tempo to it, it could be a really powerful card. Yeah. And I wouldn't forget about it. I would keep it in the back of your noggin somewhere. Well, besides that, you've also got a really ridiculous card for um, uh, Commander on similar formats, because uh, tutoring three cards for mana which you can easily reach in those formats, that's nice. Yeah, in big deck formats, that's a great card. Mm. Uh, one more card that I see here that I I love for its simplicity and it probably seems pretty pretty good is a uh, tragic slip. Oh yes. <laughs> yeah. One black mana instant target creature gets minus one minus one, uh, but if you trigger morbid they get minus thirteen thirteen instead. Yep. So, so suck on that Ludovic's abomination. <laughs> yeah, block Ludovic's abomination, <laughs> kill Ludovic's abomination. <laughs> Really good with token sacrifice effects and all the other things which they seem to be uh, piling on in this set. Yeah, and even if you don't get the Morbid Trigger in the early turns, like this, I mean, this card has a lot of good targets. You can get Delvers of Delver of Secrets before they flip in the early turns. You can get Snapcaster Mages when they come out. You can get Stromkirk Noble, Stromkirk Nobles in the beginning of the game. I like the card a lot. Yeah, it's got a bit of flexibility. We do tend to get these um, every so often. I recall there was one in um, uh, Judgment which was uh, minus one, minus one early or uh, destroy target non-black creature late. And this one doesn't have the non-black uh, limitation. So that's yeah, an improvement in the old, on the old style. Yeah. Definitely good. Mm-hmm. We do have something of an abundance of decent black one drops at the moment. Yeah, just, I find this yeah. is, is an understatement. I mean, we have a ton that, like, it's just ridiculous. Yeah. Yep. Any other cards to cover for now? Well, let's see. There's, um... What about, on... the cap- what about the new captains? We have the, the zombie lord and the, the vampire lord. Yep, and I suppose the uh, Immer Wolf counts as one of these as well. Yeah, I suppose he'd be the Wolf Lord, Werewolf Lord. Both. Um, yeah. Yep, Diagraph, Captain, Death Touch, other zombies you control get plus one, plus one. When another zombie you control dies, target opponent loses one life. Your standard uh, zombie lord um, for three mana, two, two. Um, with this one having... Um, I believe there was a... Um, uh, Ontolot block zombie, I think in uh, Scourge, which um, dealt damage whenever a zombie died. So essentially you've got uh, half of that and uh, half of your um, archetypal uh, Lord of the Undead type one. Yeah, he was uh, Vengeful Dead, I think it was a 4-mana 3-2 yep. that when zombies died, you uh, dealt damage. Yep. That's great. Yeah, so I, li- I like that one a lot. I also, I'm, a, I'm really digging the the vampire one. Uh, one a black and a red for a 2-2 with first strike that gives your other vampires plus one, plus one, and first strike. Yes. Really useful in terms of um, going all the way back to the original uh, Senge vampire. Um, 
I believe there was an old judge question based on how many uh, scribes would need to be in play to uh, successfully block and kill it if it had first strike. Mm-hmm. And now you can find out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah have fun with that one. <laughs> mm-hmm. Any any others? I think we're good for yeah. obviously the full spoilers up. You know, for anyone wants to take a peek. So um, um, hopefully we haven't missed anything bananas that they haven't uh, released up to this point. And so. Well, there's nothing really bananas, with the possible exception of um, uh, the uh, Pete John's preview, the um, the graph diggers cage. Yeah, and that's. Not so much bananas as it is a as it is a banana harvester. Yeah, I I really like that card. I'm actually excited that that got printed, because um, it's it's not going to be the end of the world. It's not going to you know destroy archetypes uh, in classic. Obviously, Dredge can live through it as it has through ley lines and all Tormod scripts coming back and relics of the Progenitus and every other piece of hate that has existed. Yep. It continues to thrive as a deck. And it does sting a little bit because now, you know, Hate Bears and other such decks, any kind of creature-based deck in Classic has a way to compete with uh, Oath as a way to answer it. Yep. And, of course, it's um, the fun thing is trying to think of ways to use it proactively. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the one of the things that I had thought about that I thought would be really funny is to play it in a kind of like the blue, like, Oath decks, like yep. the show-and-tell show Oath. Yeah. Uh, but one of the things that excites me is the prospect of tinkering away a cage to go get my Blightsteel Colossus and then replaying another cage. That'd be so nasty, keep, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I'm like, well, I'll, I'll take this opportunity to go search for this brief window, go get my 11-11 Indestructible Infect Dude, and by the way, now you can't search for yours. Yes. <laughs> Fun in the mirror. Um, the other thing I was thinking of was uh, Boldware Heavyweights, which is the 8-8 for 4 with Trample. Which oh, is, yeah, where your opponent searches their library. It's like Super Hunted Wumpus. Exactly. Yeah. The original Hunted Wumpus has uh, nothing to fear from this uh, one-mana artifact, but uh, uh, turn one that, turn two, um, any one of the um, Seething Son equivalents to get that out, and uh, hi, have an 8-8 with no drawback. Yeah. Sounds sick. Seems, seems good. <laughs> yeah. Just a little bit. But then the... But in the end, I think it's going to be like other like super hate cards because it doesn't actively do anything, so it's hard to, you know, justify. It, it waters down your strategy as well. So you'll yeah. see the waxing and waning of when it appears in the metagame a lot. That things will shift in this direction, and then suddenly people will be like, "Oh, no one's playing hate for Dredge Roth in mass quantities anymore." So now I'm going to play those, and then you'll see the so it's who can keep track of the metagame and who can be observant enough to figure out what time is that the time to play those decks. Yeah, you don't tend to see much uh, piling needle these days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just, I mean, it just it's, doesn't come. It's been outclassed, basically. I mean, there's just too many cards that are too, but much better than that, so. Yeah. Yeah. But this will be interesting. I don't know that it's, you know, that great for block, especially because it doesn't do anything. Like, if if you wanted to try and main deck it, because you're like, you, if Burning Vengeance is really good, you'd play that, and then your opponent's like, great, turn one, Champion of the Parish. Next turn, a bunch of humans attack you, and you've wasted a card that does nothing to them. Yeah. Well, it could be quite good in modern, especially if you've got um, Cascade into Living End or Hypergenesis or whatever. Because yeah, it certainly has some applications, but the fact that it doesn't, it can't do anything on its own. It doesn't advance your strategy. It just keeps your opponent from winning the game with a broken linear strategy. Yeah, it's it's not 
the end of the world that some people make it out to be. Yeah, unless you can uh, make proactive use of it, and if the best you can do is notate, then that's not going to be uh, sufficiently broken to break the format. Exactly. Unless there's something in the next set which involves playing from the library. Yeah, that was the one thing that people have pointed out, that it's kind of weird to have the wording, other than for symmetrical purposes, to say players cast can't cast cards in libraries. Yeah. Because, I mean, the only things I can really think of that fall under that heading are, like, Panglacial Worm, there's, a, like, Future Sight and Mages, Mages of the Future or whatever. That's the Future Sight creature. Uh, Magus of the Future. Um, also, the... Um, uh, what was it? The one which let you play lands uh, from Zendikar. Oh yeah, the the Oracle, but that wouldn't be casting cards. That'd be entering. That'd be playing them because you don't cast land, obviously. Yeah. Um, but no, it'll be interesting to see because that wording is other than being symmetrical, it's very has a very narrow application. So it yes. would be interesting if they have some kind of new mechanic or something new in the next set that does affect that. And it does seem- be interesting. Yeah, I mean, because like I don't think that wizards generally the type of like people to destroy a mechanics wharf before it comes out. So. <laughs> Oh yes, but they do have occasionally have little teasers like um, uh, the Ivugin, mm-hmm. or indeed uh, there were a number of things in Eighth Edition which uh, interacted with, interestingly with artifacts. Um, some of which uh, saw use, and some of which were um, oh, who was it? There was a um, uh, one to sacrifice an artifact to draw a card guy who uh, really didn't see any play. Oh. Uh- what was his name? I can't remember. That. Something of the Unseen? I think so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And don't forget Steam Flogger Boss, which alludes to when we'll be able to assemble contraptions. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> can't wait for that. Yeah. <laughs> well, there was one card which did catch my eye as being completely ridiculous. Um, it's Havengul Roombinder, the... Um, uh, Two colorless, two blue, human wizard, uh, two two. With two and a blue tap, exile a creature card from your graveyard, put a two two black zombie creature token onto the battlefield, then put a plus one plus one counter on each zombie creature you control. Yeah, that dude's real interesting. Yeah. Turn after you play him, you've got a three three black zombie. Uh, yeah. pretty much, pretty much, um, Color shifted uh, from uh, the zombie lord who was made for the core set. What was his name? Oh, um, uh, you got the ugly art with the big face and the big tongue. That's exactly it, yeah. Yeah, and you know the card I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, can't remember his name off the top of my head, but yeah, very similar to that. Cemetery uh, Reaper, that was it. Yeah, Cemetery Reaper. Mm-hmm. But it'll be interesting, especially like in Limited. It's weird because he has that built-in tension with your other zombies. Like, obviously, you know, when you're exiling creature cards to make tokens, that takes away from your opportunities to cast uh, your Stitch Drakes and your, you know, your mannequins uh, that also require creatures in the graveyard. So, but still, I mean, obviously a hideously powerful card. If you already have one of those in play, and then you suddenly start making a 3-3, and then that one becomes a 4-4, and there's another 3-3, and your flyer gets bigger. Yeah. Yeah, a bit batty. Even if you're just making zombie tokens with the token generators, you've, you're still uh, um, there's that one which uh, puts two in play. It can be flashback. Yeah, Mona um, the Unhallowed. Like, yeah, having 
having that in play and then have playing this guy and then ugh. Yeah, I hope you like suddenly having um uh massive disadvantage in creatures and uh creature size. This guy's gonna be house unlimited. Yeah. Oh man, and if you get if you manage to crack an undead alchemist or get past an undead alchemist after you already have this guy. That, that'd be the, sick. Uh, yeah. That'd that'd be, be, <laughs> undead alchemist is already annoying as a card. But yeah, yeah, if your army just keeps growing and growing on top of that, that'll be a bit annoying. Yes. Any creature cards in your in your graveyard, exile to put zombies on my side. Any creature cards in my graveyard, exile to put zombies on my side, and everything gets a plus one plus one counter, including the <laughs> alchemist. Oi. <laughs> bit of a anti synergy with uh, undying though. Yeah. Yeah. So it it has some built in tension with uh, other parts of the set. Yeah. So it won't be too over the top, but still a problem card. And is a fragile 2-2. Two, two. Yeah. But on the other hand, hey, I'm not going to complain about um, plus one, plus one counters all over my creatures. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. It's like, darn, they don't come back. But I guess they're probably not going to die because it became a 7-7. Seven, seven. So. It doesn't matter yeah. if they don't come back after dying because my opponent won't either. <laughs> That'd be a funny mechanic. You can give a player undying. After they go to zero, they restart at 10 life. That is technically doable. You can, <laughs> um, Leash's, uh, what was it? Leash's mirror. You can donate Leash's mirror to an opponent, and then um, one, the one which, which, the one way which was suggested uh, was um, uh, using uh, the uh, card which turns uh, Reign of Gore, turning all life gain in, into uh, life loss. Yeah. <laughs> so you give them the card which gives them 20 life every time they lose, and which only gets shuffled back if into its owner's library. Uh, since they don't own it, they can't shuffle it back, and then make them lose infinitely. My head hurts. <laughs> I, I stopped following. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this is the fun thing about Johnny Magic. You can break the game in ways which other people can't even comprehend. Yeah, you guys do some weird stuff with your deck building. <laughs> But yes, lose the game an infinite number of times is a possible plausible part of magic. That's funny. That's kind of like, I saw an article, I remember it's a while back, it, it showed this deck that used Genesis Wave, and basically it had created a scenario where you could get to a point where you could have four different, all four, like four methods of killing your opponent on the stack simultaneously. It was like they were being attacked for lethal damage, and they were going to have to draw the last card in their library, and they were going to get lethal poison counters. And uh, I think it's like you had an abyssal persecutor, or something like, I don't even remember what it was. It was <laughs> it was nuts. But basically it's like your opponent would simultaneously... Oh yeah, you had an abyssal persecutor, and you had to sacrifice it at the end. So yeah. then they would die of poison, damage, drawing excess cards, and and something else. Like It was absurd. Yeah, that's pretty insane. Fun too. <laughs> Anyway, yeah. On that note, let's uh, move on from the uh, uh, spoilers. Creepy Johnny Magic. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's nothing wrong <laughs> with creepy Johnny Magic. We're off of from the lab. Ah <laughs> <So. laughs> oh, man. And we have a um, in the show notes a lovely look at the uh, qualifier point images which we're going to get for the following seasons for this year. Mm-hmm. Some quite interesting ones on there. There's. Uh, a few pictures of planeswalkers here, which I don't entirely recognise. 
See, I I think I figured out everyone except for season two. Like season one, and we obviously have Soren. Yep. Then season three we have Nissa. Yep. And then it's Ajani. Yep. And then Garuk, Chandra, Elspeth, Jace, Karn, Liliana. I think that's Tezzeret at season eleven, and then Gideon. I suppose that could be Tezzeret. That's Koth. I'm sorry, that's Koth, right? Yeah. I'm not convinced that that's Tezzeret because Tezzeret. That's white hair. Yeah. Well, it's it not it an old be. man. Yeah. I'm, hmm. Okay. Well, I'm not. Okay, I'm not positive on season eleven, but it could be Tezzeret or Koth, but there's no guarantee of that. Hmm. Doesn't look like Koth either, because Koth's hairless. Yeah. Well, maybe he got old and he grew his hair back gray. <laughs> okay. But then season two, yeah, that one's a complete mystery. I the only thing I could come up with was Shiva, but I realized that was Final Fantasy, not Magic. So <laughs> that season- doesn't work. The season two one is the Merfolk Planeswalker from uh, Jewels of the Planeswalkers, whom we haven't seen in Magic yet, except for on that one side product. Huh. Very interesting. wonder if that's a tale of signs to come. It could be, but it's been a telltale of signs to come for quite some time now. Yeah, that's true. Although, interestingly, I was trying to think if they were matching it up, that would be during the February season, so that would mean... If they were aligning it with the new release, it would have to be in Dark Ascension, uh, which we haven't seen so far. And that doesn't really make sense because Murphy yeah, not fit in this world. Yeah, and then season 11, if we have not seen that guy before, that would be the November season. Yeah. So it could, in theory, be the fall set if it comes out a little late, yeah. like towards the end of October. Apparently her name is Kaora Atua. Kaora Atua. K-I-O-R-A-A-T-U-A. All right, zoom tight. So. Thank you. Yeah. Interesting. No, but they're pretty sweet pictures overall, so. Yep. So um, pick up points and look good doing it. Yeah. Some cool-looking badges. Mm-hmm. Right. That's pretty much um, all the news that we have for you. We're inching our way towards a new set release, so... The news tends to be the set release, and there's not much else besides. Yeah, things are pretty quiet other than that. But that's a big deal, so makes sense. Yep. Mm-hmm. On to our prices. Yep, moving on to prices, we have uh, a look at the modern PTQ from the 15th, mm-hmm. which was actually taken down by a straight-up Boros aggro deck featuring uh, step lynxes and plated GOPs, the whole shebang. Uh, Gutsy choice for the tournament, but apparently it worked out. So sometimes you just need to keep it simple and blow somebody's head off. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, if you get some, a couple of sack lands going, you can attack for a lot with those guys. Yeah. Uh, and also managed to take down the tournament for the low, low price of 190 tickets. So not bad. Yeah, not too shabby for a modern deck. Uh, coming so so close in second place with blue white control. Uh, one of the guys, I believe it was Stanerson, who had already made the. Uh, one of the guys who back-to-back day uh, PTQ top eighted PTQs, but couldn't quite get there, uh, despite having a $715 blue-white control deck available to him. Yes, that's the worst. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Get there. Yeah. So the cheapest deck in the top eight beat beat the most expensive deck in the top eight to win the prize. <laughs> kind of funny. That's amazing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. In third place, we have the ever interesting uh, Project X which a copy can be had for you for about 230 In fourth place, we have a newcomer to the top eight who, surprised, not too surprising, it was a powerful death back in the day and still is, and that's Jun. 
uh, with this particular version clocking in at 685. Any interesting innovations over the uh, traditional Jund? Um, Bloodbraid Elfing into Liliana the Veil seems pretty good. That is pretty nasty, yeah. Yeah, I'd say that's a, that's a strong move. <laughs> um, after that, we have Fairies. That was another repeat top eight appearance uh, at 475. And then we have Splinter Twin coming in at 285. Another Jun deck at 645. The biggest price difference being there being one less Liliana. Uh-huh. And then sneaking into the top eight was Affinity, which came in at about exactly 300. About exactly. About exactly. Roughly exactly. Fair enough. Yeah, so an interesting mix in the top eight, you know, seeing Jun being the most popular deck, and most decks again running about, you know, average of maybe 400 or so. Uh, but there are some cheap alternatives out there, you know, Project X and Boros. Yep, that um, Boros deck proving it's not always the wallet, it's just what you use with it. Exactly. So, that kind of does it for prices this week. Okay. So that'll move us into our question of the week. First off, a congratulations to last week's question winner, and that is... Emilia Kiviani. Yes. Uh, uh, you will pick up your, a playset of foil duresses. Just go ahead and message me on Magic Online at Game Master 32, and I will get those to you. Yep. Congratulations. Yeah, I want them. <laughs> yeah. Emilia Yeah. Yeah, Emilia Kiviani. I'm not sure. <laughs> Welcome uh, to the Free okay. to broadcast, where speaking English is not necessarily what we do. Exactly. All right, and then we have this week's question. I figured since we got the whole spoiler, let's go ahead and get your thoughts. What are your top five Dark Ascension cards? Uh, the whole set, uh, what do you have being the five cards that could be the, your five best in your opinion, the five you're most excited about, whatever you want to go with, top five cards? Mm-hmm. For me, I have my list. I have first, the, this is in no particular order, just five, uh, not ranked by power or anything. Uh, number one, I have Lingering Souls. That is the two and a white sorcery that makes two spirit tokens that can be flashed back for one and a black. Yep. That card scheme's batty. Uh, next, I have Garolf's Messenger. Talked about him. Love him. Uh, Tragic Slip, which we also covered. Faithless Looting. It was the first card ever previewed, you know, months ago, and it's still one of my favorites, and that's the flashbackable Careful Study in Red. And then lastly, we have a card, because I'm so partial to uh, Agridex. That's a Falconrath Aristocrat. That's the two, a black, and a red for a 4-1 Flying Haste, who, if you sack a creature, he becomes indestructible. And if the sacrificed creature was a human, he gets plus one, plus one. Ooh. I, I, like, I like a four-mana Flying Haste creature that could potentially be saved from removal. That just seems really good. Yeah. And if you've seems got... Right. If you've got a metric ton of human tokens on the board, sacrifice the ball and hit for ridiculous. Exactly, yeah. So I'm I'm very intrigued by it. It reminds me a lot of like Giant Solifuge, which was a card I just absolutely loved. Mm-hmm. Uh four one. Oh my god, four one and uh, I guess we call it it's not hex proof, it's just it was shroud, yeah. Yeah, it was shroud back then. Yeah. I think I think it was just like can't be targeted <laughs> back yeah. in the good old days. Yeah, oh. back when we had words on cards and not keywords. Agreed. <laughs> I prefer flying to trample anyway. Um, yeah, I'm, I much prefer the flying here. So, yeah, so that's my top five. Mm-hmm. Uh, AJ, what about you? What you got? That's an excellent question. Um, I like uh, Predator Ooze, which is the uh, 
3-3, which is the three green mana ooze. Predator is indestructible. Whenever it attacks, put a plus one, plus one counter on it. Whenever a creature dealt damage by it dies, put a plus one, plus one counter on it. Because that's just the thing. It's um, You've got the plot of the thing in a single card. Hmm. Which is uh, very nice indeed. Um, aside from that, there's a number of quite fun ones. Um, Hellrider really caught my eye, which is a um, uh, red, two colourless, two red, devil with haste, 3-3. Three, three. Whenever a creature you control attacks, Hellrider deals one damage to defending player. Now this reminds me a great deal of the um, uh, Warrior Lord from uh, Morningtide, which uh, put a counter onto... Um, was it Warriors or Shaman? I think it might have been the Shaman Lord, which when it came on into play, put a counter on all your um, uh, Warriors and dealt the uh, one damage to whenever a creature with a counter on it attacked. Um, yep. yep. So, yeah, Hellrider definitely make the list. Um, also, another devil, Flare of the Hatebound, which is a uh, six-mana 4-2 with Undying Devil. And whenever Flare of the Hatebound or another creature enters the battlefield from your graveyard, that creature deals damage equal to its power to target creature or player. Which... Come to think of it, could work very well with a pair of um, uh, undying Micaeuses. Or even just a Micaeus in general, because uh, you could do nasty things with that. Aside from that, uh, I also quite like Secrets of the Dead, which is the um, whenever you cast a spell from your graveyard, draw a card enchantment. Yeah, that seems very good. It's three mana and seems to steal our play. Mm-hmm. With the exception of the, this current one drop, so... Well, yeah. Hello? Hello? Yep. Okay. And, uh, let's see. If that isn't five, it's certainly close enough. Um, if it uh, isn't, then I'll go for Counterlash, which is the... Uh, um, Two blue, four colourless, instant counter-target spell. Cast a card from your hand that shares a card type with that spell without playing its mana cost. Which is um, reminiscent of the old... Uh, uh, well, of um, Draining Welk, for one, and uh, other cards of that ilk. What about you, Sebastian? Uh, I mean, I'm obviously a huge fan of Peter John's uh, spoiler card. Mm-hmm. It's hard not to be, uh, but beyond that, I mean, like, it's I, I love the new lord sets. I think, like, I know you're the tribal dude, but like, the new lords are just so great. Yeah, uh, they're multicolored. They seem to they see a lot of play, in my opinion. I'm, it just seems like a perfect combination of awesome, and so I, I look forward to that. Uh, I really do. Okay. Um, also, obviously, like I said before, the land, amazing. Yep, that would be the uh, Vault of the Archangel. Yep, the Vault of the Archangel. Like it a ton. I think it's going to see a lot of play, honestly. Mm-hmm. It fits nicely into Soren colors. So. Yep. Fair enough. Um, 
Anything else to round out the five? Uh, no, I think that's about it. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, let's go ahead and share with us what your top five is. Obviously, we have a little more to pick from than we do. Uh, but post that in the show notes and have a shot to win uh, the next prize, which will be a full oh, place. Oh, Soren! Obviously, Soren! Like, I can't believe that wasn't like. How do we forget that? <laughs> he's the best card in the set. Oh, he's a vampire. He's probably sneaking around and/or using mind control to make us avoid him. <laughs> All right. Okay. But uh, yeah, so ravenous traps. Win him. Post in the comments. Let us know your top five. Mm-hmm. Right, which leads us on to uh, what you've been playing. Well, as for myself, I've just been kind of goofing around in modern, playing uh, in some daily events and some two-mans and whatever, and I'm doing all right there. Uh, I've been having a bad streak in the last couple of days, but uh, it's a fun format, and I'm enjoying it. And then I sneak in the occasional Mercadian mask block drafts because they're just so much fun. You enjoy masks so much, what can I say? Yeah, you gotta love when you have those blue white, blue white versus blue white mirrors that go fully to time, and you stop playing draw spells because you're planning on winning by decking your opponent. Oi. sounds fun. Yeah, that's always tough fun. Yeah, that's that's how I like to play Magic. Draw, go. Sit there and stare at my two fours and my opponent's one fives, and just shrug and pass the turn. <laughs> <laughs> Like, ha, huh, blow him up unless you pay three. Oh, you have 11 lands untapped. Oh, okay, cool. All right, go ahead. <laughs> you don't need to know that. Oh, mystic <laughs> spells. Yeah. <laughs> what a great idea. Yeah, it seemed like it at the time. Talking of uh, fascinating um, tournament uh, contests, what, what have you been doing, Sebastian? Uh, you know, I've been trying to qualify. I realized the other day that I had not played Magic all month. And so, decide that's probably time to get my uh, 15 qualifier points in. Um, I may not make it though. It's a uh, it's 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 a pretty hectic beginning of the semester for me. And uh, as a student, I need to make sure I have everything good. Yeah. Myself. Hey, okay, what about yourself? I was in the Tribal Apocalypse uh, Invitational, a um, single elimination uh, battle between the top 16. Uh, players in the tournament over the past year trying to narrow down to uh, one grand champion and oddly enough the person who won it was uh, not the person who had the most number of wins over the year although he did come second uh, Anam won beat uh, Nemesis Paradigm via um, the simple expedient of uh, well this, is, this came up in um, uh, your discussion of Mass Block Limited this is uh, Anam won basically got control of game one with a um, uh, wasteland and uh, recurring glimmer post uh, via uh, crucible of worlds uh, combo and just generally let um, nemesis paradigm run down his clock via uh, all the sort of com- of uh, complexity he uh, does so enjoy and just generally um, when nemesis finally conceded he had about six minutes on the clock and Anam had 16. Ooh. Yeah. Right. Well, the Nemesis did get the game two win in three minutes. Nice. But game two, game uh, three went to the clock and uh, uh, Anam was crowned the uh, champion. That's Ooh. always good to hear. Mm. Yeah, all right. Well, congratulations uh, yeah. to Anam. It's quite a feat to be the last man standing. 
Yep. Mm-hmm. 16 of the best, most cutthroat minds of Tribal. Um, quite a good field, really. It's like the old school Royal Rumble. Mm-hmm. In WWF. Ah, yes, that was the one where you um, weren't out unless both feet hit the ground outside the map, wasn't it? Yes. Made for some very exciting, dramatic moments. Yes. Um, the scripting was uh, truly excellent in those. Yes. Fantastic. Okay. Well, I think that covers the magic everything. podcast for this week. Yeah. Yep. We've covered everything. Literally. We covered all the things. Yeah, Mask Block to WrestleMania to new cards in Dark Ascension. <laughs> yes. All we need is a theme song, which, you know, if anyone is a musician out there, we'd love for you to write us a theme song. That'd be great. Oh. Yeah, we can just do it like, like da 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 Freed from the real. You can see okay, how much we just, need. Yeah. <laughs> see yeah, how we much we need musicians to do this. Yeah, if, if someone doesn't come up with something, I will record that and we will play it at the start of podcasts. <laughs> if need be, uh, I'll record something to stop him doing that. Oh <laughs> I'm not sure what's worse, the Brit or, or the Texan. Come on, guys. That was right up there with like cheers for classic movie intro, <laughs> or theme show intros. I'm not entirely sure how to mark that. I'm a bare-faced liar. Yeah, it's like, okay, okay, I missed the mark by a little bit. In astronomical terms, I'll give you that. <laughs> anyway, we digress. Um, have a great week. Keep playing the cards, and we shall see you next week. Yep. Later, everybody. Have a good week, everyone. Go not pats. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>